And we're back. Hello and welcome to episode 14 of Why Comics, the uh, comic-themed podcast from the Nerds Who Haunt Themselves. I'm Stuart Moraine, and for this episode I was joined by the mighty Alan Henderson, uh, creator, artist and writer of the Penguin Strips, uh, which you can read online or collect in the collected edition of books. Um, yeah, and I put the question to him, why comics? Um yeah, not really much else to go into in this intro. It's been a little while since the last Y Comics. Um, not as long as some of the other nerds' podcasts, but yeah, it's still been a little while, so apologies for that. But we are back. Um, yeah, so keep an eye on our feed for things. We should be getting new episodes of the various nerds' podcasts. Drop in every two weeks for now, and then hopefully we'll go to the mo- back up to the regular once-a-week schedule. I just want to get a few built up. Um, but yeah, that's enough of that. Um that's it really for the intro without further ado i shall pass you over to past me and past alan and uh roll the thing on episode 14 of why comics How are you? Greetings. I'm very well. Uh, it's, it's nice and chilly outside, but uh, it's uh, you know we'll, we'll wrap up warm, and it's not like anybody's going outside at the moment, so we shouldn't uh, should be too worried about that. Perfect weather for penguins. <laughs> Perfect weather for penguins, <laughs> indeed. Yeah. Yeah. How's um weather side aside? How was your Christmas and the like? Christmas. Christmas was uh, was very quiet. Uh, I did get to, to pop over to my parents. We, we sat at different ends of the um, of the living room and, and and talked to each other over over a long distance. Um, but uh, it's you know very quiet otherwise. Um, I'm one of these people that's lucky enough in some ways that uh, throughout the year, if I see a book or a t-shirt or whatever that, that I want, I just just go ahead and get it. But yeah. that doesn't mean that when when you get to Christmas, there is nothing left. And um, so it's that, or I'm on the naughty list, and, and, and Santa doesn't visit. But it's, it, as I say, that's purely because I'm in, in a, a lucky position to get everything through the year that I would ever want. So yeah, I'm kind complain. of the same with with comic stuff. I must admit, because mm. I've it's still inbred into me that if I don't buy it now, it won't ever become available again. So yeah. I've I've or, always bought comic stuff. My Christmas tends to be DVDs I've missed out on, or yeah. a few art of books, that sort of thing. Or as I say, if you get to the point where, supplies, but... where it's some, if it's something you have missed or you've chosen not to buy yourself, that's either because you know it's not good or you know that it's so expensive that it's not worth buying. And if it's yeah. that expensive, no one else is going to buy it for you. <laughs> so uh, it's, a, it's a fair balance. Yeah, so I've had a fair few uh, £100 books. <laughs> yeah. Do you sometimes suffer from that, that problem as well, that people go, oh, or the family members go, oh, you're, you're into comics, therefore I will buy you this I've had that a few times for people. I don't tend things. to get bought comics much. I get like the tat, so I tend pop vinyls seem to be an easy buy for me just because oh, you like Batman is a Batman pop vinyl because yeah. I saw it in the queue at H and V or whatever, which is fine. They look alright on a shelf. They don't offend me either way, to be honest. Um, they offend me when you've got like eighteen variations of Groot or whatever. <laughs> but or, or, or take up three quarters of a comic shop. Yeah, that's it. Or pretty much anything with Superman on is an easy buy for me. For people, so slippers, lounge pants, and all that sort of thing. 
and uh, I've, I've got members of, of my extended family who have attempted to, to buy things in the past and I've kind of, you have to make that nice smile and nod and think, yeah. thank you thank you for the watch <laughs> and, and move on I, yeah. I tend to try and chuck like an Amazon wish list together that people can pick from if they need it but, yeah. but it's, uh, fortunately nobody bought me clothes the smiling politely at t-shirts is the one <laughs> oh I got you this one it's like, yeah thank you I, yeah <laughs> But well, I've, I've been told I have too many T-shirts so um, by, by Mrs. H. So at some point, I'm, I need to, uh, to make room. It, I'm, I'm almost at the one-in-one-out stage um, of, of T-shirts. So, but Yeah, I can never bring myself to throw them away. I've got a load in I, a case in the loft that I just can't. I, I, I don't wear I, them anymore, but I can't bring myself to get rid of them. I, I Well, one of the ones I have that, that you'll be quite pleased with that is in the loft. Because the way my loft is, there's certain things I can sort of hang on display and it's 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 over i actually have the funeral for a friend um superman being carried in the in the coffin oh i've got that one that weirdly doesn't have batman on it or any batman characters exactly (laughs) yeah and i think it's in the back where were you yeah or something yeah so no that's um that's up there completely faded but it's it's up there uh, i'm quite proud i must have bought that one because it was the 90s i obviously bought two sizes too big so it still fits me Thank God for the baggy nineties. <laughs> but like I said, I just I looked at um, doing what Sarah Harris did and getting them turned into a quilt, but that cost about ninety quid. So I was like, mm. Mm. yeah, it's, I, I don't love them that much. But uh, I was going to uh, say the yeah, but I'm, I'm with you. There's certain ones that you just you just can't throw away. No, they'll they'll be vintage by the time my kids are old enough, so they'll probably want them. Yeah, <laughs> I think the other one I got in that that sort of display in the very commas is um, the bogeyman, um, I'm as seen as the next guy, <laughs> which is the, the miniseries that Alan Grant and uh, John Wagner did with Ron Smith. Um, that rings a bell, yeah. Yeah, so that was, yeah, that was one of those as well. Well, there's always the possibility that we'll like hit it big and become billionaires and we'll be able to have a room where we can just spare them all on mannequins. So we, to be fair, at that point, I'm getting fresh ones printed up. <laughs> if I'm, if I'm, oh, I'm getting them tailor-made by that point. Well, yeah, that's <laughs> they'll fit perfectly. But, yeah. but well, I'm not sure the wife would be down with that plan. But yeah, <laughs> I've done one or two Payne's Gwyn t-shirts so far, so there, there is that as well as the the option to keep them going and try and get those those designs properly made up. That's uh, it. But yeah, we shall see. <laughs> we never underestimate the power of merch. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. Say it's uh, we're suckers for it. But, mm. but yeah, that especially package. now you sort of live in an age where you can proudly wear a comic book T-shirt and not get ridiculed for it. Sort of that early nineties period was a dark one if you were at school, if you rocked up in a Superman T-shirt. Um, I don't know about you where you were. But <laughs> But the early nineties, I was at university, so I was allowed ah. to be stand out and different. Yeah. <laughs> by by that point, you know, you, you were actually me. You know, if if you looked like you were conforming, it was actually more obscure. Yeah. So um, no, I. Yeah, no, I I got away with that well enough, I think, most of the time. Um, but and then went to a job that involved me wearing a shirt and tie forever. So that was <laughs> that was the disaster that that that, that caused. <laughs> But the novelty ties? <laughs> I, I do have a Batman novelty, a couple of Batman novelty ties, actually. Uh, I have worn on the, what's the worst tie you've got? Actually, one of those ties falls into that, that oh, I've bought you a 
something for Christmas. Here's a Batman tie. <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> okay, because I think it was was it Batman Forever? Which was the one that had um, Jim Carrey as the Riddler? Yeah, Batman Forever. Yeah, yeah I've got the Batman Forever tie somewhere with the Batman logo inside the question mark. That I did not buy for myself. That's that's for sure. I think I had that on socks. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm fairly certain you probably didn't buy for yourself. No, <laughs> but I was, what, 15, 16 then, so... And I was well that's, into Batman by that point, so I yeah. didn't overly mind. I was eating up anything but Batman on it. But, but yeah, short of doing the uh, Batman 89 of getting it cut into the back of me, the bat symbol cut into the back of my head. <laughs> and that was only because my mum wouldn't let me. But... <laughs> But she, I, she's not going to stop you now if you wanted to do it now. That's no, the, but my wife might. So. <laughs> <laughs> and she scares me more. <laughs> I was gonna say, there's a bit of me thinking, if I don't get it done soon, I'll not have enough hair to actually demonstrate it at any other point. So that's actually not a bad shout. <laughs> yeah, that's something to attempt. Yeah. That's what we should all do. <laughs> First combat, just everybody's got the bat symbol shaved into the back of their heads. <laughs> We we need something like that. That is the this is our our, our common branding. We're going for it. It's <laughs> <laughs> We're just so pleased to be back. <laughs> it's but. that other you go. You can actually set up the you know table number one as you walk through the door. You say before you go any further in the con. <laughs> <laughs> just a quick barber. <laughs> or, or maybe instead of getting the wristband that you would get at most cons, that, that's your thing. <laughs> now that you're here, if you want in and out, you have to get your. <laughs> You have to get the yeah. Thought Bubble logo just shaved into the back of your head. <laughs> it means you can leave and come back, yeah. <laughs> mm, yeah. yeah I can't that. imagine anybody's going to dodge the ticket fare by uh, getting that shaved in there. <laughs> I don't know, there's people that would come up and cosplay just to get in for free. Well, so, yeah. is, is it any different? Well, um, it depends how they dress normally, to be fair. That's very true, very true. <laughs> it's Tony, isn't it? Yeah, and, um, he he's definitely cosplayed at some point. Um, I refuse to believe he hasn't. But. <laughs> it was at True Believers last year when Dan came down dressed as Viper. <laughs> yeah. And then realised how hot it is to be in a biker suit all day. <laughs> but. I, I have never, well, other than looking quite like comic book guy, uh, symptoms, <laughs> but that's more... Lock than design. Um, I, I've never done the, the cosplay thing, though I I'm, have once had it the other way around. I have had somebody pinned going up for um, it, it wasn't actually for a con; it was for a World Book Day at their school, and the, um, the, the one of the kids decided to go as the penguin and that's took, cool. took a panel, as in they created a panel border out of the cardboard box, nice. so they were standing inside a panel. And I was like, that, that's genius. <laughs> yeah, you've got to respect that sort of effort. <laughs> you know, it's better than I could have done for myself. So that you, on you go, knock yourself out. Uh, <laughs> I was delighted. Nah, um, I'm far too self-conscious. To, I could be head to toe, you wouldn't even know it was me, and I'd just feel really self-conscious about it. So, <laughs> I'm, I'm not one for uh, doing anything that draws attention to me. But you see, this is the thing, and uh, I know they sometimes get a, a bad rap in certain ways, but... I've got a lot of time, actually, for the cosplay community in that once you're... Or they're very accepting of each other. Yeah. And, you know, you're seeing you being very self-conscious, but if you're going in that... In, in whatever outfit that you're in, to then engage with other people who also feel self-conscious about being in their outfit, suddenly between you, you don't feel self-conscious. Yeah. Um, And, you know, they, they are... 
they're a very inclusive group. They, um, you know, they, 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 they really seem to enjoy themselves, which I think is great. Um, and I know what, well, some people say they don't spend money. I'm going to say that's not true. They, uh, you know, they've spent money with me. I've always done well with the cosplayers. So I'm, I'm, I can't knock it. The only issue I have with cosplayers is that if they find a doorway, they choose to stand in it. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, no, no, see that big space over there? That's for you. This is a doorway. <laughs> yeah. That's why we've always tried to have separate cosplay areas, just because it's easier. Because yeah. I'm aware that the last thing you want is just somebody in front of your table posing constantly and that sort of thing. But yeah. but I generally have not had any bad experiences with them. A couple of the younger, kiddie ones that I have to tell to get off the furniture. But otherwise, like in the venue and not in my house. That's... Yeah, and, and certainly if you, if you go to an MCM, there's somewhere you go, yeah, you've been to that Japanese stall and had more sugar in those sweets <laughs> than, than you really thought you could cope with. And... Um, <laughs> That that's not a good not, not a good start, you know, running around mental. Um, so yeah, I think, I think there's a bit of that. But no, as I say, I, I I'm fairly sure that well, a little bit of sliding doors approach, you know, it wouldn't have taken an awful lot for me to have ended up down a cosplay route at some point. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so because you know, and I think there is that there there's a lot to be said for that. We think. How, how many steps removed from that am I? You know, it, we'd only we'd only have taken one other friend to say, "Oh, I'm going to do this." Let's, you know, because it is that whole thing about how do you end up in comic in a particular comic shop, or how do you end up going to comic cons? It's generally because somebody else in the group's gone. Shall we do this? You know, and and you know, if somebody else had said to me, "And by the way, we're going to go as whatever," you know, all right? I'll maybe put, you know, and I I can easily see myself having got wrapped up in inside it. Had it uh, because you know it, it's one of the things about being part of the comics is that you're you're either it, it's an all or nothing thing. Yeah, <laughs> I think for a lot of people, as you dive in and go, I'm going to just engage in everything that's here. <laughs> you know, you know, it, whoever came up with the, the Pokemon slogan about you know got to get them all yeah. entirely knew the comic or the comic reading community really well because that that was entirely our approach for the you know is that well. So this is number 400 of this book. So I have to try and get the first 400 of them, do I? Um, and I do think there's certainly something in the, in the psyche of most comic readers that, that, that have that. Um, yeah. And it, yeah, there's something weird about that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I suppose that sort of brings us nicely on to the uh, big question of the podcast, which is uh, why comics? Why comics? Um... So I suppose there's, there's there's many many ways to approach this question, and in, in terms of the thing, in in terms of why I like comics, if I if I just turn many degrees to my right at the moment, I've got three books beside me at the moment that I'm sort of dipping in and out of in terms of reading through today. Um, one of them's uh, a really kiddy thing, I suppose, by oh, Art Balthazar and Franco, um, Archimaniacs. One's a dark crime noir book by Brian Azzarello and um, Victor Santos. And then one's a, a superhero British um, piece by um, by Johnny Cannon um, called The United. You know, they're so different in yeah. terms of, of approach and makeup there that, you know, it, that to me helps encapsulate comics by saying it can be anything. It can cover the full gambit, and you know, 
you can go from silly comedy all the way through to crime noir, all the way through to, you know, you, you can present any sort of serious um, topic in it. Um, one of the people I really like is Joe Sacco, who does um, essentially um, cartoon journalism. Uh, yeah. And a lot, a lot of his work, it, it, you know, it, it's very, it's not so much dark. It's just, it, it's just, look, this is straight on the nose. This is the serious presentation of what actually happened at this war event or, or whatever. You know, and it's, it, it's, it's great from that. And I think that's, that's one of the big things for me about certainly why, why I've stuck with comics is that any time, or regardless of what I want to, to, to feel or get or, or take from a storyline, that you know it's out there in in comic form somewhere. Yeah. Um, now it took me a long time to, to get to that in, in terms of you know starting out very much in in spandex and, and superheroes type of thing. But um, yeah, that that's probably why comics in in terms of one interpretation, I suppose, of the question. <laughs> the the other one that I always use, and the first person I heard to say this is, was Alan Grant. So I'll quote it to him, but I don't know if it, if he took it from somewhere else. There's and and this is psychobabble bullshit, but let, let's run with it, right? The your brain, one half of your brain deals with words, and the other half of your brain deals with pictures, and comics is the only medium. That makes the whole of your brain work. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I say it's probably rubbish, but it sounds great as a, <laughs> yeah. as a way to say it. And, you know, there, there is something about that of going, yeah, that's, you know, it, it is, how do you, you know, how do you work with the, the basis of saying, you know, I'm controlling the storyline in the same way that I would if I was, was reading a novel, but I'm also managing the, you know, the, the pacing of it, and I'm also managing the how how I interpret the imagery coming in. Yeah. If I was watching a, a television program or a movie, um, and it, it, it is, you know, there's therefore something that happens inside the brain that says you need to, mer- you know, manage, understand how to merge these two things together. And I think that's why some people turn around when they, when they read a comic and say, I don't get it. I don't understand how to read it. And it's because, yeah, but there's still to learning how to read comics in, yeah. in a weird way. Um, and it is about filling in the gaps between the panels. And it is about, um, you know, saying that, that way of saying, well, if, if, if something's jumped from one space to another, how did you get there? Can you deal with the time matching? Can you deal with the thing? And, the, you know, the, and that's before you start saying, well, actually, and on top of that, you can overlay with comics, you can go backwards and forwards because you can, you know, your, your eye will scan up and down a page anyway. Yeah. So you, you can take more than one time zone in at any point in time. And you know, that's the sort of thing that was played with in, in Watchmen in, in, in big ways, in terms of some, some of the, the obvious examples. But you know, that, that's uh, the, the sort of thing you can do in comics that you cannot do anywhere else. Yeah. But, no, it's, um, yeah, like you say, there's a definite skill to the language of reading a comic, not just obviously the word language, but the visual language of it as well. It took me a little while to... Because you sort of get into a rhythm of oh, you go from left to right, down left, uh, diagonally left to right again, and then it sort of changes up depending mm-hmm. on the story to really throw you. So yeah, it sort of. It's, well, uh, and that's the worst thing use... for me was trying manga after having got into the language of comics. <laughs> like, oh, you read it backwards, shit. <laughs> yeah, but because I read all of Lone Wolf and Cub in the, yeah. the small 
manga versions that came out from from Dark Horse. And I don't know, it just it just that whole thing. It just takes two or three pages. Yeah. To, to get back into the you know, you're right. The first time, first couple of things, you know, well, hang on. Um, but you get into the rhythm. But the weird thing there is the with the you know the way a lot of the art's drawn is to draw the eye from one thing to another. So Lone Wolf and Cubs a good example where even unintentionally, right, you, you your eye will follow a sword from handle to tip. Yeah. And therefore, whether that's going up a panel or down a panel, it actually causes you to traverse the page differently. Yeah. And there's a need for you to recognise that that is happening because, and you know, that's part of the, the part of the thing you need to do as a creator as well to make sure you've not created some sort of weird effect where <laughs> the sword is pointing at the, the wrong word balloon type, you know, as in that's word balloon three, you need to go word balloon two first, and you know, and it, it, purely because your eye does that that sort of sort of weird jump. And one of the reasons when you flip Lone Wolf or flip certain manga, Lone Wolf and Cobra struggles from this. It, it doesn't work as well because the way that it's been drawn is the artist knows that the you know that's it, and it, the flipped art doesn't draw the eye the same way, and it, it, it's an oddity. It's Astro Boy was the same, I think, because there's, there's, there's bits in that where you just like, well, this just doesn't look right, and all it is is because the um, the art was flipped. Yeah, yeah. I must admit, I'm not as into the manga as I am the American stuff it I don't know it's weird I got used to the American stuff so I sort of just struggled with it but so sort of which what was it with comics in particular that spoke to you beyond that um was it a particular thing you read or creator or character or so my my potted history of of comics I like every child in the UK um had a variety of DC Thompson books um, as a as a kid. I had more of the Dandy than the Beano, just because that's that's the way it was. Yeah. Um, and then who knows when that stopped? But you know, it's it, and then I I got properly into American comics, if you will, in circa nineteen eighty eight. So that's just before the the zeitgeist of Batman the movie by yeah. Britton Barton. Um, and at that point in time, I, so I went to university in what 1990. Um, I, I I stayed at home for while I was at uni, which meant that I got to spend an awful lot of time hanging around Edinburgh, and I knew a number of people that worked in uh, the comic book shop in Edinburgh at that point in time, and I could, or one of the comic book shops at that point in time, I hung around with them quite a lot. Uh, and slowly, you know, ran the shop for a bit. The, um, but it was a case of, you know, you, you you did that because that was what you did when you were at university. You went and did yeah. a couple of lectures and then you went and sat at the comic shop. And, <laughs> you know, and then at whatever point somebody turned up, you said, should we go to the pub? Yeah, we we'll go to the pub. You know, and you, you, you built up lots of, um, lots of friendships just through the, the people who came in and out of the shop and the people who ran the shop and, and all that sort of stuff. And that then, you know, flipped over into being, you know, a, a big group of friends that, that started saying things like, well, let's all go to a convention together or let's go to, you know, go, go do some stuff together. So by, I think it was by the time about 2000 came, came around or, or 2001, 
we started as a, a small group of us going down to Bristol um, and doing um, the old comic festival that uh, Kev Sutherland ran down there. Is that the uh, one at the um, shed next to the train station? Yeah. So yeah. first one I was at wasn't in the shed. It was actually the other side of the – it was in one of the hotels, but not the hotel that I ended up in. Um, it was in the, the bigger hotel that was on the hill across from where Travelling yeah. Man is. Yeah. That was, a, that was a very, very first one. But, but yeah, the vast majority of them were in the shed. Um, and it was a case of, you know, we we went down, we met loads of people from DC Comics, and we all hung about. We met up with, you know, again, sort of expanded the friendship circle to, you know, to people who you saw every year. You know, and you saw them at the, the Birmingham Con as well, and you saw them at various other bits and pieces. And then there was one year, and it would have been about... About 2006, 2007, when the shed wasn't available, and they held the Bristol Comic Con over two different hotels, um, and what they did was they basically put all the mainstay in one hotel, and they put the small press in a different hotel, and that was my proper finding of small press. Despite the fact that all these guys had been at every con I'd ever been to, suddenly placed them in a you know as a sort of almost separate con and I think they only did the small press bit for one day as well yeah but you went over and I think they, they dotted some people in there so you know you went over initially to see Ian Churchill or, or, or one of the other sort of big names that, that was there and you were you know, like oh well I'm here I'll, I'll wander around um, and I started speaking to two guys called um, Andrew Cheverton and Tim Keeble who produced a book called West now Sadly, they seem to have, have left the, the comics world since then. But they basically opened my eyes to the fact that there's some really good small press stuff out there. And that, you know, suddenly you're like going, well, if this is good, what, what else is here that's good? You know, and it's weird because there, I still see it today that, you know, there's people who go to cons and will only look at one tenth of what's there if you like and go yeah. no I, I came to see this person I've seen this person now I shall leave or I'll you know or I'll be very narrowly focused on just the big name Batman artists or whatever and going but by the way there's all this other stuff here that's worth having a look at um, or don't just look at the Funko Pops come and have a look at, <laughs> look at some of the books um, and it was like, as I say that that really opened my eyes to, to saying right small press and then after a period of time you get to the point where you're, you know, there's a lot of good small press, and then there's a lot of um, mediocre small press. Yeah. And you suddenly go, I'm as good as that. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it was a case of getting my arm twisted a little bit by, by my friend Bob Turner, who said, you know, we should, uh, you should draw something. And, you know, he, he's, a, he's a much better artist than me. Um, but, you know, we, we kind of challenged each other. I said, oh, we must do something. Um, and then about seven years ago now, um, Edinburgh got its first Comic Con in a long, long time. And we said, oh, look, we've been, we've been doing some of this stuff and putting it up online separately. You know, we, we should, uh, should get a table and share it. And suddenly that was a, well, I, I better produce something then to actually take to a con. Um, and that was the first time I, I packaged up some of the, the Pendagoon stuff. And it was like, all right. And, and it changed the experience because you then start engaging with a whole new community of people who are, you know, when you're on the creator side of the table. Yeah. And you suddenly go, oh, and, and you know, there's people that start hanging out. And that's just grown and grown for me. 
in terms of the people that I now know and interact on, you know, some end it's a, a godsend for the, the last 12 months because I, I don't know who I would have spoken to in, in some ways if I hadn't <laughs> been part of this, this creators community. And, you know, and, and there's a lot of subsets within that. Um, there's, there's Team Scotland, as I'll call it, where you've got, um, you know, you've got all the, that comic book smell guys, but, yeah. you know, there's, there's, a, there's a bunch of us that, that, that attend a lot of the Scottish cons and therefore we know each other quite well um and then through the awesome comic pod and, and others there's there's a case of yeah i mean engage with another other group of uk creators including yourself um and that, that has built as i said built up that, that community aspect of it and that that's entirely what's kept me rooted within in the comics to say that it's always been community element whether it's been the friends that just got together to say let's go down to bristol or what is now being yeah i can quite happily go to a con all the way down in in nottingham uh, i was gonna say on my own or craft to take mrs h as well and she'll hang out with sarah harris and they'll you know and i can be there with not knowing another soul but actually i'll know two-thirds of the people that are actually behind the tables and we can all get on and, and you know, if it, go out for drinks or a meal or whatever. So there's, I think it's great from that perspective and that, that's certainly what's kept me in it. Yeah, I think we were at the same hotel at the last Nottingham. Mm. I was like, I'm pretty sure that's Alan, but I'm not 100% sure, so I don't want to go over <laughs> and look like a dick. And then it, I clocked to him later in the day at Nottingham and I was like, he had a penguin t-shirt on, I should have fucking... <laughs> <laughs> you well, this is it. You, you don't want to be that twat that's like, Oh, he's like, no, fuck. <laughs> I had that happen to me once in um, in one of the thought, thought bubbles where I was wearing a T-shirt for, oh, it was one of the maddiest books. I think it was Horror. And somebody came up to me and, and clocked him. It was a Scottish accent. Was, oh, you must be Neil. Waters. And I was like, no, okay. <laughs> I thought, no. But yeah, I, I, I do say that if you're going to a con, wear... Where or either change your Twitter logo to a picture of yourself before you go, yeah, or or wear your current Twitter logo as a T-shirt and kind of go, "That's me." <laughs> um, that way, at least people can kind of put two and two together that way. Um, that it depends on how silly my moustache is at any given point in time that people can usually pick me out. But yeah, I'm, I'm just one of those people that's like. I'm ninety nine percent sure it is, but that one percent will always overrule me. Be like, just <laughs> no, yeah, I, I, can, I can be bad for that as well. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, it's a, it, it's. I've said it before, and other people have said it as well. But it's a weird thing that such a lonely sort of hobby has built such an amazing community around it. Sort of given that it's something you kind of do by yourself in your bedroom or whatever. Mm. Just reading comics or have you devour them, that sort of thing. To then have such an amazing and inclusive community. Yeah. It's it's bizarre, but it's a wonderful thing, and especially with the internet now as well. It's like you, I went to a couple of Bristols and saw the same people a couple of years in a row, but sort of nobody that I've seen since kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. You just didn't stay in touch. Then email was early. I mean, well, not early, but still quite new for me. Mm-hmm. kind of thing and um but yeah so was it sort of did you go approach comics from the art point of view or the story or was it as as an artist or were you a writer before you 
did art kind of thing. <laughs> um, trained in neither. The <laughs> and, and and some would still question. It, it's weird. So I, yes, I would always doodle, right? And I had tried writing a little bit of fan fluff for for certain things. Again, within that sort of group of friends, there was a point in time where we were doing something silly about writing a paragraph a day of a story, where um, it was basically a, if you're in the office at if you got into the office at eight o'clock, you had time before things kicked off. You know, your your challenge is literally just to write a paragraph, and that way, you know, by the end of whatever period of time, you would hopefully have a have a whole story to, to write. Now, because of my background of um, being into the shadow in a big way and coming at it from being a lot of the shadow work is written very much as um, episodic radio play so it would be that you know much like the free you know the the, the, this black and white cinema stuff where it's like flash gordon or whatever where you're gonna go look this is 15 minutes in and out so it just needs that that really short sharp piece so i changed it slightly from being a paragraph today to being uh you know maybe a a little what, what was the next little bit of that story um, which sometimes was a couple of paragraphs, something, and on one occasion it was a letter, because that helped move the story along. And so I, I, we'd, we'd play around with that, um, and that sort of some some writing stuff that we'd that I'd done. In terms of how I then get on to to where where I am now, the, the PG stuff, it's it, it was very much a case of I was doodling, and we had this this running gag that said we need to do something, and there is. I don't have it, or maybe I do actually. But there, there's the, the very first appearance of, of Penguin basically starts out with you know a, a page of lots of little drawing things that are in black and white. So it includes a panda, includes a nun, includes a something, you know, and at the end it's a penguin and it's like, there might be something in this. Um, and it was just a case of building up sort of, oh, there was about 300 one more sort of far side looking or a very simple image of this is a penguin saying something or this is a penguin in a in a context and just you know slowly establishing something of that in terms of this is just me doodling yeah again i was then pushed to say look you should make this longer form let's put panels in (laughs) um and what i committed to was three panel strips um purely because it's you know what it's because it fitted on the bit of paper i had <laughs> uh, and it was like I say I don't have any training in art. I actually have um, a couple of qualifications from school in technical drawing or engineering drawing. And so the the concept of measuring out a grid to actually put the panels in place that's fine. And measuring out the concept of saying look let's keep the the, the penguins equally spaced and all that that's fine. So that that you know that bit is there in that, that training piece. But it was a case, alright, let's try and do some three panel strips. Let's see how many of those we can, we can do. And that was almost eight years ago. Um, and it's more or less one a day. Um, and it, it keeps coming out from that perspective. And, you know, it's a, it becomes a lot of, of interesting thing from a writing perspective at that point, because there is that whole need to say that you need to keep producing, you know, a, a new, little gag or a new little thing and it does mean that if any time I come up with an idea for any storyline or any sort of thing new, the first thing I do is penguinise it (laughs) 
and go, does that work for a penguin? And then go, I have started, I, I've done maybe 60 what I call Sunday strips. Yeah. But, you know, where is the, the, the longer extended strips? But normally I then immediately go, how do I compress this down to being three, three panels? You know, which is a, you know, a, a, a throw, a swing and a hit. That has to be the, 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 the sort of pacing for it. So you then have to then say, right, I've got the idea. I've come, you know, does it work for penguins? Does it work in the concept of, of, of what I've tried to do? Cause I've tried to keep it family friendly and things like that as well. Yeah. I keep promising to do Penguin after dark as a, <laughs> a sort of separate standalone book, but you know, it's, Penguin Nights. It's, well, it's a backup strip in, in Atomic Hercules. <laughs> um, but Tony, if you're listening, that's not an idea I'm committing to. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but it's a case of, you know, so, but as I say, this concept of how do you compress, compress, compress? And, you know, so any, any, I, I, I then, I'm stuck for other ideas to do for, for other writing. I have done a couple of other books. Um, but again, I had to force myself to do different restrictions. Because I, yeah. I work really well under restrictions of the right three panels, limited time, you know, get it in, get it out. Boom. So I, I did a, a couple of books that were written in rhyming couplets um, about teddy bears, and one was about spiders, but it was all it's all about friendly, you know, the little Miss Muffet story, but told from a spider's perspective, <laughs> or the, the origin of Spider-Man story, but told from the spider's perspective. <laughs> And then put in rhyming couplets. Yeah. Um, and that was, you know, so I, I did a couple of those. And my, my, my great joke about it is the fact that the, the longest comic that I've ever done, which was actually six full pages that were full, and, and I, I did them in a different technique. It was all pencil and graphite. Um, where I managed to just get myself away from penguins and wrote six pages that featured pigeons. And um, <laughs> it was a case of, yep. These are pigeons that, that you know, I've I got this thing that I, I don't pick restaurants. If I'm out with a group, I'll let somebody else pick the restaurant because <laughs> it's, I'm just like, I don't know, I, I, I'll eat anything. So it doesn't really, you know, but don't make me pick. Um, but, it, you know, it's basically that sort of concept of pigeons turning up at, at a new garden going, well, where are we going to eat? Um, <laughs> and going, well, what if I don't like it? So, well, you go over there then. Um, you know. And it's um, so yeah, I, but I, that, that's been my approach to it. Is, is very much saying right, I've, I've got myself into the habit, and I, I've created this restriction. I have created a a little bit of an albatross around my neck to say I've, I've been lucky enough to build up a following, and therefore, will I upset them if I don't put something out today? I don't know if 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 you got to that feeling last year when you were doing that one a day, and you know, or was you know. It's one thing when you can actually turn around to yourself and go, I'm just letting myself down. But suddenly when you've got a follower, you think, oh, they're going to be upset if I don't put something out today. And it's really awkward. Yeah, I mean, there was part of the temptation in me just to miss one day just to see if anybody noticed kind of thing. Or to do what um, Dan Butcher suggested of get to the last day and then just not post anything. But the danger of that is my mum's always following them so I don't know we've instantly been getting phone calls you're right what's happened <laughs> you didn't post a drawing <laughs> but yeah so no that's but that that's left me with this this problem now of going I've got no idea how to stop <laughs> and, you know you could just take the Bill Watterson approach of going oh and by the way I'm off down the hill and bye <laughs> type yeah. thing um, or do you have a big conclusion 
where everybody dies. I don't know. Um, or yeah, and that's that's the whole thing about. And because I'm approaching an uh, an anniversary strip, because um, it should be the the strips when they go out on certainly on um, Tumblr and Twitter, they're numbered. You'll see they've got yeah. an F, S at the front of them, and that's the number of the daily strip that it that it's on. Um, and it's what did I post tonight? For those that are... tonight was uh, I've lost it. Number eighteen forty three went up up today, so we're uh, it'll be about July time that 2000 will come around and it is that that whole thing about what would you do for an anniversary or what do you do you know is 2000 a nice time to stop um don't know and uh, you know so there's there's uh, it, it's an interesting set of challenges from from getting into that habit of saying right i'm now producing something on a regular basis it, it's great because it forces me to produce something on a regular basis but I, um, do I then panic, or do I then worry about whether I'm keeping people happy, or if I upset somebody if I if I don't put something out? Yeah, no, I I can fully understand that. Say, and just the same with the drawings a day. It's sort of like even the quality of what I was putting out of like is this actually good enough to post kind of thing. And um, it's it's easy to let that sort of get on top of you. I think. I mean, and plus finding the jokes either finding jokes or coming up with jokes because um, as part of my drawing a day thing inspired by penguins I was doing a nerds version mm. just for a few days in the sketchbook which then yeah. sort of led on but just sort of finding a joke and then breaking it down into a four panel structure yeah. kind of thing it's a lot of work in itself let alone the drawing and writing and inking <laughs> <laughs> and whatever yeah. else and posted it up but I, yeah. I I have a number of research books and, and other things that I use for that. What have I got beside me? Anyway? Smarty's Big Book of Stupid Jokes. <laughs> um, though it's... I don't, let's say it's got 10,000 jokes in it. Well, maybe not as many as that. Well, for sake of argument, call it 10,000. There's probably only about 500 that are usable yeah. as penguin groups. So, the, you know, even with that, you then have to go, right, well... And that's the whole thing, but you have to pick through them to go, does that really work as three panels? Does that, or how would I, you know, play around with it? I'm saying that's three panels, and the one I've posted tonight is, of course, just one panel, but that's by the by. Um, <laughs> I'm sure by, people, by the time people are listening to this, it'll be back into the three panel schedule. Yeah. Um, the, um, yeah, so, but it, you're right, it, it, and it is that, that, that thing of saying, get into the, the habit of saying, well, how do you do it? But the, the worry about whether or not the art is good enough or not, what what I've tried to do, because one of the things I think I've done with the pen to go in, is I've created a mini alphabet of penguin pieces. Right. Which means that if I, you know, in, if I suddenly go, all right, I need, to, need a penguin, right? So it's that beak. Or, well, first, I would start, are they facing left or right? Right, well, you know, because that means the body shapes this. Yeah. Is it, you know, is it this beak or that beak? Right, fine. Right, it's going to have are the eyes open. Right, fine. So two dots. Right, what are the eyebrows? And I've got like seven or eight. Most of the attitude, this is all in my head. It's not, it's not literally set out as an alphabet. But, you know, it's like, right, so do I put the eyebrows up? Would I be surprised? The no eyebrows? You know, I can do a sideways glance with the designers. 
and that way you can keep it really simple. And then you've got you know the the arms, you know they can go in sixteen different positions type thing. Right, just pick and choose from those that, that that you've done, and you suddenly go from from a state of going right, it's just one penguin to saying well, from that alphabet you can actually make it into whatever rate, you know, whatever the number of, of combinations is of all those different things. And suddenly you can say, right, fine, that, that means that to produce the strip, I know that all I'm doing is tapping into that alphabet as, as the sort of core. And then yeah. I might give them something, say, oh, right, pick a hat, or they're going to be holding something. Let's focus on doing whatever they're holding. Um, which means that certainly if, you, if you're a regular reader, you kind of get into the, the rhythm of knowing what everything is. And I, you know, which means if there's a mistake or something, you actually don't notice it because it's that whole thing about your eye fills in the gaps and, yes. you know, and, and people can just, just scan over it. And, and that's the really disappointing bit when you turn around and go, right, I've spent however long making this and I know that each panel is probably going to get looked at for about a second, <laughs> you know, and that, which is fine. Because you think, well, they'll go back to it and they'll pick the book. If somebody's reading the book, they can read it many times. But it, it is like going, yes, this only needs to be good enough to convey the bit of the story that you want to convey. Yeah. Nobody's got. There are certain artists that produce artwork where you can turn around and say, yes, that deserves to be framed on its own and up in whatever gallery, right? Yeah. That that's never going to be the Penguin, so I don't mind that. But I, but what's more, you know, I would rather say that they keep the speed with it, be able to, if, if from a, a readability perspective, and allow people to scan across it really quickly. Now, the beauty there is, once you've created that rhythm, you can break it, and it's the break of the rhythm that actually makes the thing funny. I always always quote the one of my favourite strips that I've done is actually four panels rather than three but it's it's l-shaped and it's tell me more about this game you call tetris with the fourth panel being below the third panel right so it's and but you know tell me more about this game you call tetris is not a funny line any stretch yeah there's no out of context means nothing yeah and it's it's and even if you're you know if you've not read loads of three panel penguins Having a four-panel strip that's L-shaped, a little bit funny, maybe he hopes. But yeah. for if you're reading it in context of going three panels, three panels, three panels, oh, trip! There's a fourth panel that takes me down here. Suddenly, that's a lot funnier. Um, and you know, it, it, it's things like that where it amuses me to kind of go, "Oh, I've actually created something there that is only funny because of everything that comes before it." Yeah, I liked your um, time-in one. Was that yesterday or the day before? It was this morning, and it was partially because I was thinking about that for for, for this discussion, where, again, <laughs> what, what are the things that you can do in comics that you cannot do anywhere else? So, for, for the listener, the again, three panels, and um, as you say, that strips from seven years ago, which is why the design of the Penguin is slightly different. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so the panel one is, you know, what is the essence of comedy? And then panel two, it's two penguins, head, two heads talking to each other. And panel two is the second penguin saying time, and then there's a panel border break, and then third panel is ing. So the word, you know, it's really not funny when you have to describe the joke. But, but, no, but it's, 
but it's on the, on panel, the page. Yeah, on the page, the panel border has broken the word timing, or it's, you know, so the word or the word timing goes behind the panel break. Um, and again, it's because you cannot do that joke anywhere else. Or you can, you know, you can do jokes about timing as, as being the essence of comedy, but in terms of how you deliver that, and say, well, how do you deliver timing in in a comic strip? That was me going. That is the way you do it, you know, by saying there is something that happens between the panels. But in this case, it's just you going, I don't know what's happening in the panels. Um, and, you know, so it's, it's great from that perspective. So, that yeah, that, that is one of the ones where I, I, I do like to play with the uh, the construct in, in, in that sort of sense. Yeah. It's a, so sort of when you were building the audience, how when did you become aware you were building? How were you posting them originally? Was it? Social media, or did you set up the website? Or I, I still don't have a website. Um, oh, it's sorry, all, I, set up a website. I'm, I'm only on, on social media. Um, so yes, yeah, so I I started with Tumblr, um, and purely because it was the well, eight, again, I'm going back eight years. It was the ideal blogging post at that point for for putting up images, and. It, it, I just let it kind of grow organically, and then something weird happened um, about again about seven years ago, actually, or six and a half years ago, where Tumblr used to do uh, a posting saying, "Here's our um, blogs of the day," and of a particular evening, um, the number one blog of the day was the White House, as in. Uh, 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue and it was its blog was the number one blog of the day and the number two blog of the day was the Pentagon I didn't ask for this I didn't do anything about (laughs) it Um, and I'd I'd crept up to I think about 300 followers at that point so I don't know if there was something triggered but anyway so it was 300 and I went overnight from having 300 followers on Tumblr to having 10,000 followers and then I think it topped out about 15,000, 16,000 and that and that creates a weird pressure when you yeah. suddenly because you're, you know, you go from daily things of going, getting know, four or five likes on, a, on a, a post to suddenly getting three, four hundred likes on a post and you're like, oh what, what, you know, because you suddenly or I felt a little bit of responsibility of suddenly going, well, what if I say something bad? <laughs> what if, what, what, and, and it's, again, and that's the horrible, you then start to overthink it because you go, what if I put something out and it's not funny? And, you know, and it is that whole, I, I, I long ago, I've stopped trying to work out what people like and what people don't like when I put it online because I will literally get something where I'm like going, oh, that's not funny, but it fills a day. That's okay. I'll get, you know, it's it's not bad. I'll, I'll go out and suddenly it'll get loads of likes online. And they're going, but that was the one I didn't think was very good. <laughs> and then, or you, you come up with one that you think is really good and you'll oh, they'll love this. <laughs> and that's the tumbleweed. And that is, you know. <laughs> So anyway, so I, I ended up with this huge, huge following on um, on on Tumblr, and then as Tumblr stopped being the the, the place of choice, um, I, I still have a huge, or what I consider to be a huge following on 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 Tumblr, but I, the, I don't think those people go on Tumblr anymore. 
But they didn't, you know, so they left Tumblr. They didn't leave me here. Um, and at the same time, I've, you know, you, you end up with a, a, a different following on on Twitter, and there's a Facebook page as well, and it's got a different group of people. And then we're on Instagram, and we've got about three thousand followers on there. So again, all of which has basically grown organically in terms of just people liking it and other people seeing what other people have liked and people going, oh, I like that too. Or, you know, and it, it, it's, it is one of these things where I know it's, it, it, people just seem to like it. You know, it's a, yeah. it's a product, it's, it's a product that people like. Um, and it's one of these things I know when I go to a con, I, it, it, I, I don't sell well online. Oddly enough, I don't really, you know, it, it's on the, all the various shops and platforms, um, but people don't don't purchase it. But if they're at a con and they, it's there in front of them and they pick it up, they'll buy it. Yeah. Right. And there's there's something weird about that. I've, I've described this previously about saying the penguin is um, simple sliced bread. And it's the same or all sorts of newspaper shops are like this. Simple sliced bread. And people want it to be there. They love the fact that it's there and they, 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 they need it to be there in their lives. But they'll only ever tell you about the artisan loaf that, yeah. they, um, that they got while the sliced bread's there all the time. And, you know, and I felt this about when certain bigger cons or year-end uh, review lists or whatever, which, you know, it's that whole thing. Never listen to the critics and all that sort of stuff. But there's a bit of me that kind of, some of these times goes, You've liked my stuff, you know. You've maybe liked a hundred out of the three hundred things that have gone out this year, but I've not made your list, okay? And that's because you want to talk about the artisan bread, isn't it? Yeah. You've you've forgotten that the sliced bread was there all the time, supporting you and doing, you know, being the the, the one off gag. So there's there is, um, and that sounds like I'm being, being no, I, upset I, I know about what you mean. it, but I'm, I'm not. <laughs> I'm really not because I, I, as I say, I have I've said before, my main aim with the pen going is to put a smile on one person's face every day. And I'm fairly confident I do that. Whether it's that day strip or somebody's just found a previous day strip. Yeah. But, you know, it's a case of if I can make one person smile a day, then I've surely added to the, you know, the, 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 the made the world go round and all that, that sort of stuff. Um, but it, it is that interesting thing where I'm conscious about when I think about certain other artists who who produce stuff on a regular basis that you then go, yeah, you're you know you're you're doing your thing, but it's not getting that that, that big recognition at the end because it was just there all the time, rather than being and here's the big um, big delivery at the end. Yeah. So it's and and again it's that whole back to you know, what makes comics up because you've got. At one end, the far side, and then at the other end, you've got the 600-page graphic novel that produces the, you know, and both are valid and both have their um, their, their purpose and 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 are there, um, and deliver their message that they want to deliver, and it is just about finding that that you know what you want from it at any point in time. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, so. With you mentioned like Calvin and Hobbes and that, were you did you read a lot of things like Calvin and Hobbes 
before going into it as like research or were there ones that you were fans of that you were like I'd quite like to have a go at doing that or I, I read I'd, I'd read all of Calvary Hobbes back in the day it was you know it was something that my dad and I read together I don't yeah. read together but we would get the book and or it's the sort of thing that I would buy him for Christmas because I could read it um, in the you know, back in the day, and no, I, I and I've always been into newspaper strips and all, of all sorts of forms. The and I was a huge when I first got into to the workplace. I was a huge Dilbert fan. Yeah. Um, again, this was Dilbert circa nineteen ninety four, so it was good. Yeah, before he uh, went mental, and before he went <laughs> more recently, utterly <laughs> mental. But again, it was the case of this was a lot of stuff the first time where where it was just this is all, and it was things like I was being you know new in the workplace and going into a meeting where we sat for an hour to discuss what shade of green an envelope should be, and you're like, <laughs> what what am I doing here? And you're like, going, this is a Dilbert cartoon, right? Yeah. Um, but the you know, so I I was always into and and a lot of that. I think has fed into the, you know, the penguin is quite cynical and quite, you know, it's, it doesn't quite always play good cop, bad cop, I think, but it, there, there is a distinct view of going, I'm just, you know, everything's a bit dark here. And if you actually go through a lot of the really, really good, um, newspaper strips, there was an awful lot of darkness in them. Yeah, and and some of this is just me retrofitting it rather than saying, oh, I, I studied it and this is what I came up with. But you know, Dilbert is very, very cynical throughout. All of, you know, there's there's very few characters in there that are the you know there's the the young intern who's who's the the, the bright light, but you know everybody else is you know saying that this is a ridiculous situation we're in. We want to you know and the cat that runs HR and all that sort of stuff. It's just different. But similarly, Calvin and Hobbes is really dark. Yeah. Because if you actually start to unpick it, it's a case of this is a child that is so alone, he believes his tiger comes to life and that is the only thing that speaks to him. To the extent that he will go out of his way to um, not, not engage with other kids in the school because he wants to go home and speak to his tiger. Um, you know, he doesn't get on really well with the, with the girl next door. Because he and his tiger are doing, you know, and you start going, "Well, that's a bit." And if you actually get into peanuts and start to unpick that, it's full of kids who all suffer from different mental disorders. Yeah, <laughs> right. But from the the one that wants to roll around in the mud to the one that's lonely and plays the piano to the you know um to the the the, the bossy girl, all and it, you start going, "Yeah, there's, each one of these kids needs therapy." Um, and you know, there's there's a, lo- there's a long tradition of of all of that of just being so. You know, we we mentioned um, uh, oh Lynn and oh uh, George um, George George and Lynn George and Lynn. Thank you. <laughs> if you actually reread some of those, a lot of that is them making fun of the other people at the party or the other pe- you know making fun of the the neighbours and all that stuff. Again, it's really quite cynical and you know a bit. Look at them, aren't they? You know, aren't we better? Type thing. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it's it's there is something about a newspaper strip that kind of needs that little bit of darkness behind it. Um, so subconsciously, more than anything, I think there is a lot of that in the pain going where I, you know, it, it's more it, it's my style of humour. So that that's the way. Um, where it is just that no, I'm going to make a degree of darkness in here. Um. And that that comes from reading Kavanaugh Hobbes, reading Dilbert, reading 
Uh, Fred Bassett was another one that I always used to love, which is about a, a Bassett hound, yeah. but again, who's just generally depressed. Yeah. Um, even Garfield doesn't like Mondays, you know, and Garfield is arguably one of the, you know, is, is nothing but cynical the whole time. Yeah, Garfield um, was the one that got me into newspaper strips because I just, I was in the right age at that Pete Garfield time kind of thing. But, and then through that, Calvin and Hobbes, like you with your dad, my granddad used mm. to cut the strips out that he thought I'd particularly enjoy, and then he just started cutting them all out for me. But just the glee on my granddad's face when he brought over the one where um, Calvin's got the loose tooth. <laughs> He's showing his mum and dad that you can turn it backwards and all that, and they're gradually getting sicker at the thought of it. And my granddad was so pleased with that one. That and um, Calvin getting into the toilet and pulling the flush to have a bath. <laughs> Was the two that I really remember my granddad ringing me up about. He's like, I've got two strips to show you next time you're here. Don't let me forget. Uh, for a long period of time, the Calvin and Hobbes books were held in Edinburgh University's Divinity Library as um, as part of the reading for for Divinity students. And I always thought that was an interesting yeah. take of, <laughs> by the way, this is another way to think about things. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. No, the best strips like that are the ones that you pass around. I've always found. Um, I'm the same with, again, not to sound like I'm blowing smoke up your ass, but with penguins when they pop up, I always show them to the wife, and if you can get a smile out of her, which you usually do, yeah, <laughs> that, that's when you know you've cracked it. There's the t-shirt for the con that I want to get. I put, put a smile on Stuart Marley's wife's face. Uh, <laughs> then on the yeah. back, ask me how. <laughs> Do it as a proper clickbait one. <laughs> Read the back to find mm. out how. <laughs> um, but yeah, and again, that's where I've been lucky or... I, I've hit something with regard to you know when I'm at cons or anything, I, I I do well because I reach people that aren't necessarily there or who I, I say earlier I sell well to to cosplayers. I actually sell really well to cosplayers' mothers. <laughs> and I don't know, it, it is honestly if you always look at a group of cosplayers of a, a certain age. If you look behind them, there's always either a dad or a parent of one from a sort of three or four metres behind, carrying all the bags, carrying all the coats, probably. As well. Carrying the money. And going, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and going, oh, yeah. And invariably, the, you know, something's happening. And those, that parent will stop beside your table and be polite and go, oh, yeah. and I'm saying, have a look. Yeah. Oh, no, no, I'm not here uh, for it. I'm here for them. So, yeah, well, there might be something for anybody, you know. And... You know, a little chat. They might start. You know, if they flip through a few of the the pieces that are on the on the table, they might pick a book up. And I used to have this um, <laughs> this, this gimmick for the sales piece as well, where if I saw somebody giggle at reading one, you know, one of the pages, I used to say three giggles and you need to buy it, <laughs> right? And invariably that that yourself, there's suddenly you've made them go, oh, I was laughing actually. And then you know they read another page and maybe they do get second giggle and you go, ah, that's two, one more, and you have, you know. And they suddenly go, actually, yeah, I'm enjoying this. You know what? I'll buy it. <laughs> and it is that, that, that the weird thing just to convert. And you've gone, that's right. The cosplayer's mother was here and bought the book. That's what I want. Thank you very much. And we can move on now. Um, and that that's that's the beauty of doing something like The Penguin, that you know that it has that, that broad capture. 
So that when people say, oh, I don't read comics, you say, well, you read this one and you enjoyed it. So there might be something else at this event that isn't just, you know, silly little penguins making silly little stories. Go out and, and find it. And um, who knows? Yeah. That's it. I mean, so given, moving on slightly from penguins, but mm. given your love of things like the shadow and that, have you ever been tempted to go down that sort of route, either writing or writing and drawing a... Uh, for quote unquote a more so mainstream say, comic kind of superhero or crime noir kind of. Yeah. So I've written one, so one large shadow story, and it's oh, it's out in the wild. So anyone wants to find it, they can. It, which is my um, ideal crossover story, which is um, the Shadow and Enemy Ace, where the um, and, and, and purely because you could do something that's that's you know, post-war, what what does the enemy ace do? And you could easily get him into New York, and you could easily say that the Shadows Back history would suggest that he fought in World War One as a pilot as well. Therefore, you know, the story thereafter writes itself. Um, and and I did write something for that, and that 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 exists as a as I say as a, a prose piece that I I don't have the art chops to. To, to go to go beyond that, uh, to actually produce, or something like the actual to produce what's in my head. That's, yeah. that's really the thing there. Um, in in terms of sort of other writing, I've last year I wrote something for um, Sarah Duncanson, actually good in Pause for Thought. Um, in, in terms of the you know which basically took the the most character that she uses in that that's you know loosely based on the Mulp side of things and. You know, so, so she wrote. Uh, it was basically about the um, my theory that um, dogs are toddlers and cats are teenagers. Yeah, was was the thing. So she <laughs> she you know, well, so, you know, dogs will follow you around. Go, what we're we doing? Shall we play? Whatever. Well, cats go around going. I'm going out. I'm not going to tell you when I'm coming back. Yeah. Or if I do, <laughs> when I do come back, I expect you to feed me, and then I'm going out again. Um, you know, and that's you know, dogs are toddlers and cats are teenagers. Um, and I've written something else for. Um, uh, another anthology thing that, which was an un, un, un spec submission, um, where I know that book one had been written by the author himself and, um, the real artist, but I said, well, look, I'm, I've written something for this, for, for potentially for book. So it, it's under consideration, um, if not for book two, but for, for, for something else. Because they were, he was pleasantly surprised and happy with what was written for that. But, uh, in, in terms of producing uh, the, the Shadow of Crown Noir stuff, no. It, it, as I say, I find I just find it really difficult to write long form when you spend so long writing short form. It, it just makes it really yeah. hard. <laughs> you know, or all power to anybody that can do both. Um, yeah. Yeah. A, what sort of, on, on the Shadow then, what sort of was it that attracted you to Shadow? Because um, for me, I didn't know the Shadow until the Alec Baldwin film. Mm-hmm. Which sort um, of I quite enjoyed that film, but it got me into the comics. I sort of a lot of things like that I discovered through the movies, kind of thing. Yeah. So um, the, the, the real simple bit there is that the Shadow Strikes comic series, which came out in 1989, I think, was basically when I was getting into comics again, or I was was attending the comic shop on a regular basis. And you suddenly went, there's an issue number one of a new series. I'll um, I'll buy that and read that. 
and you know it was Batman-esque and so you know had a a big cast of other characters to get in it was set in the 1920s 1930s which is a you know a, a lovely era in terms of having backgrounds and design effects and all that sort of stuff so it was great for all that um and it literally was just it was a new series therefore i got it if doc savage had released a new series at that point in time <laughs> that might have been down that route um but it was yeah so it, it was a case of just getting to know the character that way and then being that comic collector personality thing kicks in you say oh there was a previous series in the 1970s and and, and there was other series in the 90s let's try and pick them up and build that you know up knowledge of that which then meant that having got into the 1970s series um i started to exchange emails with um mike kaluta Actually, the start off as a complaint about something else, and then it was like, oh, hello. <laughs> I'm not expecting a reply. <laughs> um, you know, and, uh, nicest guy you, nicer guy you could not meet in, um, in, in comics. Um, and then work sent me to New York for, for a week to do, uh, a business thing. Um, and I, I said, shall we meet up? Um, and it was a case of we, we met and had, had coffee, um, and then I got invited round to the to his studio, um, and and got to see a lot of the stuff that he had in the studio there, including so Mike did all the design work for the Alec Baldwin, or did a lot of the design work for the Alec Baldwin movie, right? Um, so one of the hats was actually there in the studio, you know, and they'd been given it as a prop um, from the prop team, um, and things like that, and it was just through that and and. Also, you know, so I got a little sketch from him and I got a commission piece from him as well at a later point. But it was a case of then saying, if you're going to conventions and, and this was back in the day when you could get cheap sketches or free sketches, you know, you, if you go up to somebody and say, oh, can I get a sketch? If you're the 40th person that day to go, can you do me Batman? Or can you, you know, or Wolverine or whatever, or, or Deadpool, whatever the uh, flavour of the month is, they'll they'll do you something, yeah. But they, you might get a little bit of an eye roll, and all right, <laughs> and they'll just there. While I found that if you went up to people saying, "Would you do a sketch of the Shadow for me?" Everyone kind of went, "Ooh, I remember that character from you know," and and they would come at it with a degree of love, and it helped the fact that anyone who kind of went. Oh, what, what, what's the character? And he just went, big hat, big nose, big scarf. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I can draw that. Um, and it, it, it just, just built and built. Um, and then the character exists in the comic universe from times, uh, and gets moved around from company to company as the, um, the copyright owner does their thing. Is he one that you follow from company to company? Because is it Diamond, Dynam, uh, Dynamite, Dynamite had it for had a while, wasn't it? Most recently, yes. And, and yes, I, I have done. Um, it's, you know, different companies and or different writers produce different takes on, on the same character. All are valid. Um, some are more enjoyable or fit your criteria. It, you know, it's like that whole thing about, well, what, what is Batman? Is it Batman 66? Is it Batman... 89? Is it yeah. Batman Begins? Is it, you know, whatever? Everyone has their own, own preference, but they are all equally valid. Yeah. And it's the same with The Shadow, that you, you, there are, there are some that are more valid than others. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, and and part of that is me going, look, it's a character that's definitely meant to be set in the late 1920s, early 1930s. If you put them in modern day, you you better work extra hard to get a very good story. You can't just go, oh, that's the twist. It's modern day. Yeah. Um, so there's yeah, there's bits of that. But you know, I've ignoring the multitude of particularly with dynamite um, variant covers. Yeah, I've got got yeah. every every Shadow comic since 1973. <laughs> there were earlier ones, those I cannot afford. Because, no. um, yeah, the earlier ones are sort of the 1940s. Um, yeah, but yeah, so now I've got, I've got a lot of that and um, all of the paperback reprints and of the, the stories. That, like, again, they, they did a bunch of the reprints in, in the 1970s and stuff, which are cheap paperbacks, which are beautiful covers. And yeah. it's that there is really something about that in terms of that, that pulp era and that pulp feeling of going, yeah, we can do, you know, a really nice, um, paperback. You know, people like Robert McGuinness, uh, and the paperback work that he did. Jim Steranko did loads of them as well. And, um, you know, yeah. yeah it, that, I, that, that's a, a style I like. I, I love the pulp art. I think that was one of the things that sort of drew me to the shadow away from the film. Just sort of on it, as you went in as a fan of the shadow, what we did you think of the Baldwin film? Because I know it's much maligned generally, anyway. But just out of curiosity, I'm always interested in you know, you, a fan's right. interpretation of. If you turn the sound off, it's, be- <laughs> it's beautiful, right? Um, it's really nice to look at, and it has the look and feel. The Let's think about this. There are 500 pulp stories that were written for The Shadow. Yeah. Or thereabouts. And within that, they play mix and match and really mystical with regard to the origin and and all sorts of stuff. In that, truths are told and then overlays are put on top of that to confuse those truths, you know, just across that whole period of time, which meant that when they got to the movie, rather than saying, let's keep it really simple, they tried to explain a lot of that as well. Yeah. And they didn't need to, right? They they literally could have gone, by the way, he uh, was in Europe in World War One, came back to America the long way round through the Mystic East, in inverted commas, and now has his powers. Right, and that would have been it. That would have been, you know, you don't then need to go through the whole convoluted storyline piece. Um, so the, yeah, they overcomplicated it that way. They overplayed the need to have a love story in, within it as well. Um, Ian McKellen also chews the scenery too much for me and play doesn't play it straight enough. Yeah, I would because to me the shadow could you should actually just play it really straight and really. Um, and part of that as well is because it came out in the period where it, you know, it, it was was facing into the, you know, the the the, the makeup that was a presentation of of Batman, and going right, we want to do this, so we need to get make sure we balance all these factors in. I'm saying a little bit of comedy and a little bit of um, love interest, a little bit of you know dark mystical stuff in it. While had the, if they did the Shadow movie now. But with Batman Begins as the premise of saying, oh, let's do lots of um, superhero-style movies, I actually think it'd be much more interesting to see where they went with it and go with playing this completely straight. Yeah. You know, and, and, and solidly straight throughout. And that would have been the, to me, would have been the slightly more interesting way to, to deal with it. 
Yeah, the 90s was a weird period for those sort of dungeons. Like Dick Tracy, I love Dick Tracy, but they threw everything up on the screen and pretty much boxed themselves into a corner. I've never yeah. been able to make a franchise out of it, because he yeah. kills them all at the end. It's like yeah. He's got no Rose Gallery left. <laughs> but, um, and yeah, because yeah. I mean, the other, the other, well, the Man of Bronze movie was, was slightly earlier, and it, it's equally got problems of trying to do too much in the one movie. Yeah. The Phantom movie is actually not that bad. Again, I quite like that. I think because it was so maligned at the thing, by the time I sat down and watched it, I was like, I could actually quite enjoy this. Yeah. It's partially because it kind of knew what it was trying to achieve. Yeah. The best of them all is the one that arguably was actually only produced for comics and then transferred over, and that's The Rocketeer. Yeah. Um, So there is... And again, that's partially because it knew what it was trying to achieve. It wasn't trying to be a Superman movie, um, which was kind of the, the the balance that would have been in that sort of context. But there was definitely an opportunity there for them to it, it, establish whatever the, the pulp universe equivalent of the MCU would be, where you yeah. could have had Doc Savage, The Shadow, The Phantom, and The Rocketeer all together. Yeah. We need to find a, the Phantom Lady would need to get we didn't at some point, so we make sure we had, or Domino. Yeah. Um, it's had some female characters as well, otherwise it'd be a bit. Um, but yeah, so the, the. Yeah, we should put the shadow onto your own why not discussion at some point. <laughs> but um, yeah. I, I think a lot of us would be like, hmm, yeah, what, what could have been? What could have been? Yeah, it's it's an interesting period. I know Sam Raimi for a long time wanted to do it, and that's what became Darkman in the yeah. end because he couldn't get the rights. But I I know at one point recently he was attached to trying to do it again. But I just well, I the interesting thing is that the reason that Dynamite is not making any more Shadow um, comics is because the the holding company that owns the rights, which is Conte Nasty, have um, taken the rights back, and there's going to be new novels produced. Was this James Patterson? James Patterson. Yeah. And there is a suggestion in the the shadow groups I'm on on Facebook that, that, you know, if you actually follow that through, what they're clearly trying to do is saying, well, if we can get that to work, it's an easier sell to Netflix or whoever to then say, right, how do we get a small series of, of, made for TV movies done um, and, and out that way. So who knows? It, it, uh, it may come back um, through, through that route. Yeah. My fear there is if you read, it, again, it looks like they're actually bringing it forward in time to be set in the current day, which I'm not, I don't think works. No, a big appeal for me for the character and the film is that sort of 30s style. The idea of going to a classy nightclub and, yeah, trilbies and scarves and <laughs> the design of the cars, the, the design of the taxi that that Chevy drives. Yeah, yeah, and all of that is 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 part of it. And that again, as I say, if you go back to the, the Alec Baldwin movie and turn the sound off, yeah, and just just look at it, it's, oh, it's a lovely it, looking film. Yeah, so. um, they, they perhaps didn't need to do the prosthetic nose, but uh, again, let's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We take what we can. That's it. Mm. But, um, but yeah, no, yeah. sort of steering it back to comics rather mm. than yeah. fall into that trap of talking movies all the time with comics these days. But <laughs> I think they sort of go hand in hand to a certain degree. But yes, they do. Because as anybody you've ever seen pitching on Facebook for their comic, they've always got a uh, 
cinematic universe attached to it as well, then the road. <laughs> if, if somebody wants to do an animated series of the Penguin, I'm not going to stop them as long as they pay, I get the royalty check. I'm not going to. <laughs> I'll take the money and <laughs> just put my name somewhere small on it. Yeah, doesn't yeah works for me, darling. That's it. Um, so you sort of mentioned with Penguin about you know the weight of ending it. Is it something that you can see you doing for years to come, or are you, there ever days where you're like, I just can't be asked anymore? I, you know what? I, I, I pre-lockdown actually, I, I was thinking that. Because I had kind of set myself this thing of if I can get to 2,000, that would be amazing, right? Because yeah. surely there aren't 2,000 jokes out there to <laughs> tell in this format. Um, but through and, and at that point, I try. This is this is where I was slightly. I'm slightly different than um, you're drawing a day thing, where I. I currently, I'm actually further ahead now than I have been in a long, long time. I think I've got 14 in the bag, so I'm almost two weeks ahead in terms of, so if I if I draw one tonight, that'll actually not appear online until two weeks' time. Um, but that that has been all the way down to I'm one day ahead at different points in time. Yeah. And I, I've also keep, besides that, I've got a list of these are the things I've seen on the internet or, or jokes I've heard or, or, or ideas that have come to me that sometimes I, I will say, look, if I come up with an idea, it's very unlikely that I'll then produce that as the that day's penguin. Yeah. It needs a period of gestation to at least go, all right, so the, the joke's in there, but is it is it one panel or is it three or is it, you know, what, what, what way round does it go? You know, how do you, you do it? So, again, spoilers for those that haven't read it online, but today's Penguin, for example, is um, if you're here for the yodeling class, form an orderly, orderly, orderly queue, right? Which, if you say it properly, it's orderly, orderly, orderly queue. Anyway, <laughs> um, so initially I was like, well, that's the idea. That will sit there for a bit. And it was, so how does that? that work is that because you could do that as three panels and actually split the the text up into it when but the more i thought about it it was like you know better just to have a long queue of penguins being the queue um and so it was easier to then say right just just merge the three panels into one and and have that but that was only because it sat there for a couple of days thinking about you know going this is how you deliver this joke um, well, if it's delivered, <laughs> but that's yeah. that, that. You know, so this is how, 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 how we will say that. And um, you know, that list has been down to nothing, and that list has been as long as twenty, thirty ideas at different points. And when you're at that wave of being at the bottom of it, going, well, I've got no other ideas, and I'm almost out of future ones that to, to post that I've already drawn. What, what am I going to do? Um, you know, and, and I have been at that, that, that basic point of going, well, maybe yeah, now's just the time to stop and see if anyone notices. <laughs> um, but I must say, at the moment, I'm, I'm riding the wave. I'm, I'm, I'm 14 ahead. I've got, um, a number of ideas written down on a piece of paper that will be the next ones that come after that. And I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll I have every faith that I can find another 150 that will get me to um, to the 2,000. Um, and 
I would imagine I will panic if I don't do 2001. I, and, and again, that's that whole thing about it need, I would, if I do come to end it, I want it to have an ending. I don't yeah. want it just to be, oh, why is that on stop posting? You know, um, and I've got no, you know, I, I've got no idea what that ending could possibly be. Um, I must say, look, I, there are days I cheat where I will repost a previous one. So one things <laughs> I've now got 30 different Christmas jokes that, that I've drawn over the last eight years or so. That, so you can go, get to December and go, well, it wouldn't be Christmas without repeats. So here we go. And, and you know, that gives you a little bit of breathing space. Um, so this whole thing that I say, oh, I do one a day. I don't. I only do about 250 a year. So it's, you know, there, <laughs> there's, a, there's a nice offset. Um, but as you well know, getting 250 out is hard enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like the ER only. <laughs> Such a slacker. <laughs> you look at, you know, the other people are doing, as I say, it's, it's just because if you add up the number of panels and compare, and, and again, it is that weird thing about the, the restrictions allow you to, to go, and it gets beauty with comic, with that, that, that kind of newspaper type strip where you can kind of go, I don't need to do backgrounds because if I do backgrounds, it's, it, you know, it's probably going to actually stop the, the storytelling. Yeah. But also it means that, you know, people will be over and done with this in, in 10 seconds or three seconds. Therefore, if they don't like it, they can move on. If you look at somebody that's producing a, a full blown comic and it's taking them a year to do it, they're doing as many lines as I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> It's you know, it's just I get the the different pleasure, or I get the, the the credit from saying, well, I got a little bit out every day, um, and they're just trying to, to to build it up. Um, I should say, there's nothing wrong with artisan bread. I do like artisan, <laughs> <laughs> but it's a case of yeah, this is your simple sliced white. What more do you want? Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's boring, but you'll you 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 it keeps you sustenance keeps sustenance going while you're producing your food. But uh, but no, if, if people are panicked, I'm, I'm saying I'm going to end it. I'm, I I have no immediate plans to do so. Um, yeah, I don't want that to be the headline written from there. So like, <laughs> <laughs> but, well, but yeah, that's the I, I I want my credit when I end this. I want <laughs> I want people to be you know the wailing and gnashing of teeth and <laughs> and armbands worn round comic cons and <laughs> helplines set up. You know. Is that that uh, you'll have worn your Superman dyed armband when he died? <laughs> and yeah, you must have done. Get one of those with a penguin logo made. That's fun. <laughs> and people go, oh, I, where were you when the penguin stopped? Um, <laughs> you know, I if mean, I ever if I do do that, I am definitely putting one in a Batman costume just up here in a t-shirt for you. <laughs> <laughs> It is that thing. I mean, it's like with True Believers. We've always thought about how we'd end it at the same time. It's got no intention of, mm. but it's just nice having that escape plan kind of thing. <laughs> well, uh, and uh, part of that I say is that, that whole thing about panicking about who am I letting down? Yeah. Because, you know, you see me True Believers, everyone came along and enjoyed themselves. So if I suddenly say I'm taking away their enjoyment, that's on me taking yeah. away them, you know, and you, you're like, going, well, no, because they'll, they'll find something else or they'll, you know, it will be replaced with, you know, not like that. You're not taking away the enjoyment because what you did was you gave them the enjoyment. So you're, you're not, you're not creating a negativity. You're, you're just not adding to the positivity. Yeah. Um, but you're right. It's that, that weird mindset you get into of going, 
no, I want to be nice to people. I want, I want, I want people to like me. Please <laughs> like me. Um, and, and if I stop this, you won't like me anymore. Or how will I know that you like me if you've not pressed the like button on Instagram? <clears throat> yeah. Well, what's the point of existing <laughs> otherwise? I, I know. I know. But, uh, so do you sort of find, just sort of wrapping it up, but do you find with even eight years later, your audience continues to grow? Is it a noticeable growth or is it... Um, not not to be too into, like you know, not that the numbers matter so much, but just no, the numbers don't matter. They, as I say, and, and I, I know that I've got a a really good core following. Um, and any time I go to a con, yes, there's there's people that that they, it, it grows. You know what? It, it, it is an organic growth, and therefore. Yeah. If I was if I was serious about it, if it was a job and if I was trying to actually make money out of it, then I would need to be making much more effort to to force some of that organic growth. Yeah. Which would be about, you know, getting it into certain people's hands or under certain eyes of the great and the good who do um certain comic book reviews on YouTube or whatever and say, you know, what what do you think? There's there's the whole fear thing there as well about going, well, if they don't like it, you get rid of yeah. the what's going to happen? But, you know, but there, as I say, I, I know that, I, I know that it, it's weird as well because the other thing I think about the Penguin is that it's, for me, it's not about getting it to any more of the comic community. I, or what we, we've called the comic community, in that that is probably saturated for yes. for those that are going to there, there's new people that as I say all the time but um, I've done a couple of craft fairs instead of cons and partially because you're something different at a craft fair yeah. but it, I've also I, you know because of the type of subject matter it is it does really well at, uh, at that sort of event now, that's what I'm saying these are the people who are never going to find it online yeah. So you need to find a mechanism to to get it under those people's noses, and I, and it's 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 like certain you know I say craft fair for other people it might be better to say well you know if if you produce a comic about Vikings and whatever then get to whatever if you know event is being held that recognises that sort of activity and if you're yeah. there then those people will buy it and and, and build an audience that way um, and. It, I'm sounding very callous about this, but there's sales and followers and that. It's, it's really not. I mean, I'm doing it, as I say, to me, A, for my own enjoyment. Yeah. B, there is some self-gratification about knowing I've put, you know, if, if somebody presses like or whatever, I know that I've, they've smiled today. So I've, I've done something. And that, that's the, that is a big thing for me. Um, and But as I say, in, in terms of the, the supporting the followership piece, yeah, the, it, it slowly grows. But if I was worried about that, or if I thought that was a necessity, then I really should be reaching out to, to other sources. Yeah. Um, and, and trying to get them to buy into it as a, a, a thing of saying, yeah, we want to, you know, build it up and up. But I'll, yeah. I'll continue to give the, the milk away and then offer to sell the cow on, yeah. on Kickstarter every now and again. <laughs> well, that's it, because you collect them up, you hit a certain number and then collect them up into the books, don't you? So yep. it's. So I have a template that's 100 pages long. And literally, when the template fills up, then it, um, then it, then I speak to Rich and uh, start arranging printing and do whatever method of, of getting it out to the, the world at large. Um, so there's not the same number of strips in every book because obviously certain strips 
fill a whole page and sometimes you get or most times you get two strips a page. Um so yeah. But it's they're all a hundred pages and there's a couple of treasury editions as well which collect together some of the earlier books that have gone gone out of print. Yeah. Mm. It's um yeah, no, it's a it's a good way of doing it. I mean I find I'm always anything I can read for free online, I'll always buy the physical because I just like owning it. Like um, yeah, I'm, but um, I'm I'm, I mean, I'm old school like that, and I'm a collector, so <laughs> it's like you don't own it until you physically got it on your shelf, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. and they're just nice books to have. There's to, there's a different weight as well yeah. to reading things on mass. Um, with some of the stuff I've been rereading recently for the Never Around Anything podcast, um, where you're reading. A, a, you know, a number of issues as it, where I'm reading a trade where previously I read the issues and I'm finding that there are certain books where I get more out of it because I'm reading it as a trade Yeah. Um, or I'm getting a different thing out of it yeah, better opinion. and I think it's the same as something like The Penguin where it is that yeah, the, the, the sliced bread, you'll have your slice of bread every day but if you sit down and go, oh, it's all, you know, I'm going to look at my whole, nah, that, that analogy no longer works. But, it's the, <laughs> but there is something about saying, here's, here's all of it at once, or here's a lot of it at once. And you, um, suddenly it becomes the, the reading like a, um, a, a shotgun or a, a machine gun thing where it's like, and here's another one and another one, another one. And the, the beauty with that, from my perspective, is that you can see that people put, if somebody's reading it, that, you you perhaps don't get the not everyone's a laugh out loud, but you can get them on a roll. Yeah, you know it's that whole thing. Right, if I can get your shoulders moving <laughs> as you start to sort of internally giggle to yourself, right? As long as each one just keeps that going, it only needs every now and again for it to be a spike to be laugh out loud. And the the difference or the movement from giggling to laugh out loud is a lot shorter than completely coming cold to reading it to, to yeah. being laugh out loud um, so yeah no, there's, there's a real advantage to that uh, it's, uh, I suppose sort of then to finish it um, mm. do you still enjoy it? I do um, or you know what today I do <laughs> <laughs> currently I do um, and yeah and it's the, you know, and, and certainly in terms of the comics at large where we are as a as a group of people throughout the the, you know, the lockdown and all that sort of stuff, that I'm really in. Since I'm enjoying lockdown, I'm really enjoying the the way that we're all interacting with each other. Yeah, and it, it will be, it, you know, I say that that first con where we all do get the chance to get back together and look each other properly in the eye rather than you know a, a tiny little screen. Um, it is going to make a big difference, and yeah. you know that bit of it is certainly allowing it all to be enjoyable. Yeah, I I was thinking the other day, there's things I'm going to miss, like the drink and draw every month, and that sort yeah. of thing. But yeah, I I can well, I'm not going to put that on poor Mister Curry, but there must be a means by which that can continue. Yeah. Um, I I hope so in some form. I think in many ways I've gotten closer to some people through doing that in lockdown than I have bumping into them at cons kind of thing I think because there's always the pressure of you're on a time limit at a con sort of thing whether you're behind the table or yep. in front of the table and you just want to get round everything before you go 
combined was conscious with, of eating people's time up just by nattering. But. Combined with the fact that the, it's that whole thing on the Saturday night, where every, well, it's even worse, I presume, if you're actually organising the con. You know, the Saturday night when you go, right, we'll now go to the bar and I can, you know, mingle with people. You're knackered. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, going, all right, I'm going to speak to you for a couple of hours. Oh, yeah, it's like, all right, for, you know, someone like John Ottaway, who's had the opportunity of just... All, all he's got is sore feet from walking round and round the corner. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know how he feels about the fact that he's now being registered as a murderer. <laughs> or sorry, allegedly. I think he's just allegedly. leaning into it these days. But, <laughs> but again, that, that's that, that great bit of that sort of community thing of yeah, you're you know let's, let's get all involved. And it's great that he comes on to Princeton draws and stuff like that because he's part of the group. It's great. Yeah. Drops a shocking comment bomb and then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not yeah. going to bring up the one he said last time. No. <laughs> right, yeah, moving on. <laughs> yeah, that, that was the winning one. So, sort of to wrap it up then, um, mm-hmm. what have you got coming up and where can people find it and that sort of thing? And where can people find you online if they want to check out and get their sure. daily dose of penguin fun? So, coming up in. Let's call it March, April time, um, the next collection of the penguin will be um, probably on Kickstarter. Um, so that's Penguin Burnout, book 16. Um, you don't need to read the first 15, so that's, that's good for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so that, that'll be the then or thereabouts. Who knows what cons will will happen. Yeah. Um, and in terms of finding me online, basically if you just search for Penguin, uh, that's P-E-N-N-E-D-G-U-I-N, on any form of social media, um, you should find me. Um, and there's a um, Etsy shop as well that um, that has the books if if people are so inclined. Awesome, cool. Well, thank you for that. I'll put all the links in the show notes when it goes out on that as well. But sure. yeah, no, thank you for doing that. I, uh, no, I really enjoyed you. it. And talking penguin, and thank you for letting me do a penguin strip as well. I'm sure. No, no, as I say, it was as one, one day one day less. I didn't have to do that. <laughs> That's the beauty. Everyone says, oh, thank you for letting me be a guest artist. And I'm like, no, no, <laughs> one less for me. Thank you. I just, there was a weird pressure of it of sort of because you want to get it so that it looks, I imagine it's a bit like doing The Simpsons to a certain degree, but with a bit more freedom in that you want mm-hmm. it to look in that penguin mold, but also put your own sort of spin on it. So it doesn't just look like people it, will be like, Alan had an off day, didn't he? <laughs> well, it's a weird one where, as I say, they're really easy to draw. But then that leaves people going, well, how do I put my spin on it? That's yeah. it. They're great fun to doodle. Mm. <laughs> yeah, so as you've done it at Drink and Draw. That's it. I think that's the key to uh, <laughs> creating an iconic character, is it? That it's nice and easy to doodle in a meeting or whatever. Cool. Cool. Cheers for that. I shall, um, yeah, we'll wrap that up there and then we'll carry on talking for a bit. But <laughs> cheers. cheers. And that was episode 14 of Why Comics. Uh, I'd like to thank Alan for coming on and being a guest on this episode. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed talking to him about uh, comics and penguins and the shadow and the like. Um, I will put all of Alan's links in the show notes, so if you didn't hear any of them, check the show notes and you'll be able to find him from there. Um, with regard to our show notes, you can find the Nerds of Haunted themselves on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash Haunted Nerds. We're on Twitter as at Haunted Nerds. Uh, you can find all the old episodes on the True Believers website, which is oktruebelievers.com. Then you just go under the podcast um, banner on the menu. Um, 
Yeah, we're on Podbean as hauntednerds.podbean.com and we can also be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, um, probably Amazon Music and any others. I'm not sure how we get on there, but we seem to pop up on these things like an unwanted visitor. Um, if you enjoy the episode and you enjoy the other things, uh, please subscribe and leave us a comment or a review if you like what you heard. Um, it helps get the numbers up and all that algorithm stuff that I do not understand. Yeah, like I say, all the links will be in the show notes and everything else. And uh, if you're interested in reading the comics from the nerds who published themselves, you can find them on Comic House. Um, and again, on the Tribulus website under comics, or we've got an Etsy, a big cartel, uh, Redbubble. Again, you'll find all the links in the show notes. Um, until next time, this has been a Nerds Who Haunt Themselves production, and I've been Stuart Moraine. Until the next episode, read some awesome comics, create some awesome things, and keep spreading the four-colour word. Thanks for listening. Bye.